but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. The sky sucks. The what? The sky sucks. Why? What did it do now? That's Bernoulli's theorem. Oh, why airplanes fly. So you know what? The sky All sucks. Right. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, sort of, I guess. But So this is, this is a weird thing. Jeb, you put this on the list. I did. Scientific American has an article. This is just clickbait, man. Why do we do this? Why do we keep this? Is not this is as bad Scienti- as the airplane on the conveyor belt, all right? Read, read the article. Uh, I, do I really need to? It's, yeah, it, because it, it, it's there, hashing there, out the old Bernoulli there, there versus is this this conflict does action. exist. No, but it's not a conflict because it, it's it, not a conflict because what they what well, yeah they're both right is the punchline. Not only both right, yes, they're both right. It, it's not you know it's like they want they 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 have this fantasy that it would be one or the other. All right, and it's not one or the other. No. All right. All right. Why does an airplane when when you're flying your airplane and you want to climb? How do you climb? Add power. Uh, but it. you but you could also climb by pulling back on the yoke. You would lose airspeed. Uh, I'm not. You would gain airspeed by doing. Well, no. Okay. Anyway, you get my point. There's two yeah, different. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. There's two different factors at play here, and they both play into it. All right. And so I'm assuming the Scientific American article is 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 hashing out the whole is it Bernoulli with the higher speed air over the top making lower air pressure as a result of the sky sucks, or is it um, su- um, not supply and demand um, 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 action reaction? All right, is like air hitting the underside of the wing and mm-hmm. pushing it up. Mm-hmm. That's those are the two things, right? Well, those those are the two competing explanations, and they're not competing. Uh, it's the, both. Well, I agree. Okay, I agree. Next. No, okay. How so, about the how about the two conflicting explanations? What's that, David? No, please. The don't. ones that you're talking about. Well, but they're not conflict. What well, do you mean they're conflicting? What, David? What, the only the only real flaw in any of this mm-hmm. is that part of Bernoulli's theorem, or, or or the the application of Bernoulli's theorem to an airfoil, is where the lower pressure comes from. It's it's physics. Bernoulli well, was it's, a smart guy. It's, he it's, figured it it's, out. It's, it's it's Papa Foxtrot Mike. Uh, Papa Foxtrot Mike. Papa, I don't know. Okay, pure you say so. freaking magic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was certain that you did that because I couldn't say it on our family podcast. Papa Foxtrot Mike. I like it. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So anyway, um, this guy sucks. Is the is the bottom line. Because no one else, no one can explain the low pressure on the upper surface of the airfoil. They realize, yeah, okay, it's, it, it is there. We see it. It exists. But we don't know why. Well, and what really added to this conflict was somebody saying, well, what about airplanes with symmetrical well, camber? Whether there's camber on the bottom and on the top so that they can fly upside down. And well, they, what, what keeps the bottom from sucking it back down? Yeah. That gets back to what well, I've said before. You've you got enough power, you can fly a brick. And a, okay. brick, a brick has no airfoil. Uh, okay. Yet another title possibility, flying a brick. But, but it'll fly like that guy that put a rocket on his car once. Yeah. Right. That, was, that was an urban myth. What? 
the the guy who put the rock on his car and smashed into the cliff at 300 miles an hour or something. You're trying to tell me that that never happened? The What's the old um, Mythbusters? Yes. They took that whole thing apart. Yeah. And what? But they found what? the car basically disintegrated at, at you know less than two hundred because it it just wouldn't do that. See, I don't think they did it right. But well, we can have that conversation too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you're saying the myth, the urban myth that doesn't the thing that is an urban myth and not actual real well, is was, that a guy put a rocket on his car and accidentally an ur- that's, that's drove it urban, into a mountain. It's an urban myth. So is there was there a I guy who put a rocket a on his was there a guy who put a rocket on his car? No, well, there, there was a guy. There was a guy who put a jet engine on it, and he was a Darwin Award winner. Yes. Well, there, I don't know which proves my point. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Uh, it's folks. a shame we don't have some device we could use to look this up. <laughs> While you're looking this up, I'm going to say welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. More out of control than ever. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm coming to you from uh, uh, high atop the banks of the uh, lovely Cochico River uh, here in Dover, New Hampshire. Itchy, where it's itchy gumi. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, dropped a thing off the river. There's a bridge right down the street from me. and uh, um, That's where the, the used firearms are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I suppose maybe. You never know. Uh, I'm here talking to my two good friends in our virtual hangar, and it's already gotten out of control. I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, we Who had a new real- coffee was that intoxicating? I know, huh? Um, let's see now. That voice right there is uh, from uh, the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. That's Dave Higdon. Hi, David. How are you doing this morning? Doing wonderful. Doing right. wonderful. I'm just chilling this morning. Yeah. Now you, I can you, I can identify with you and I are a team this morning, okay? Because you got snow yesterday and I got snow last night and this morning. Um, so uh, winter sucks. What kind um, of team are you? We're we're bonding. We're brothers in winter. All right. Um, See, but I like winter and I like snow. So all right, forget it. We're you, not brothers. You, yeah, I was going to say you can. Jeb can go ha 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 all he wants, and I'm going to yeah, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Well, one so, thing, uh, there's a lot fewer nuts on the street when it's like this. Well, there's always that. There's yeah. always that. Um, they're, they're doing a podcast somewhere. That's right. <laughs> Did it snow oh, much, They're David? all inside doing a podcast. Come on. It's almost spring. It's not supposed to be snowing anymore. That's not true. It's not, not almost spring. It's mid-February. I, I know. So I'm, of course, I'm, it'll be mid-March before this This is the, the time streets, of year but, when I go into alt, mind alt. I, I don't know what the right word would be, but I kind of get into wishful thinking, and I kind of think, okay, winter's almost over, man. Good. My, finally. David, did it snow much? We got about three, three and a half inches, mm-hmm. uh, and it was intermixed. We started out with sleet, then we got snow, then it warmed warmed up and we still got snow and then it turned to rain and then it turned back to snow and made it really crunchy on top mm-hmm. kind of like a pop tart that's yeah. all white see almost spring i i rest my case okay. <laughs> <laughs> that other voice out here in our virtual hangar is uh uh you know yeah he's my friend he's but he lives in too warm and climate um he's from uh, somewhere near sarasota florida that's jeb burnside good morning jeb good morning jack how are you and, doing and there I'm fine, you know, in shorts and a t-shirt, barefoot. Yeah. So, yeah. Excuse me. I'm going to try and mute my folk, listeners, but uh, I have a cough this morning, and every now and then it's going to sneak up on me. I apologize. Um, yeah, it's uh, um, it's Jeb. Yeah, it's been kind of well. 
It was cold when I was there. I mean, it, I was yeah, there. You, you brought some cold weather. With I you did and, not and, bring the cold. All right, it, let's just not even start. It arrived shortly after you did. That's true. Because I was in town for almost over a week in advance of visiting you, and it was 80 degrees. So I didn't bring any. It got cold the first night you were here, and I, then it warmed up, and then that, it got cold But that again. was also a week and a half into my visit to Florida. So Now, everything being relative, define cold by Sarasota standards. Oh, it got to freezing. Really? Well, not, not here. I got to 32, 34 there. I looked. Right? Uh, not in Sarasota. I, I don't know. Maybe well, somewhere what, what, else in the state, but not here. Was the Florida news full of stories about orange growers out with their hot pots? To- no. Better. No, no. It was Go fa- ahead, Jeb. falling iguanas. Iguanas falling out of trees. That's right. Yes. Fr- frozen the iguanas get up in the trees. They get too cold. They pass out. They fall off the tree. And whatever's below them, they hit. Yeah. Yeah. Now... Yeah. I didn't bring the cold to Florida. I'm, I have to. Yeah. I'm fresh out of iguanas, by the way. Okay, yeah, I know. I didn't ever get to see one either. Um, uh, in 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 fairness, I have to confess, admit, um, whatever, that um, a week or so after I left you, Jeb, I was in Austin, Texas, for a week, which not quite as warm a climate as Florida, but supposed to be relatively warm in the winters, and it literally snowed while I was in Austin. <laughs> Okay. It's following you around, yeah. man. Uh, it, it literally... Now, I didn't see it, unfortunately. I really wish I had seen it, all right? Um, it got chilly. It got down into the 40s or something like that a few few nights while I was in Austin. And uh, and everybody was talking about the fact that for about four minutes, they had like... And Jeb, you're from Florida, so you don't know anything about snow. But David, you'll understand when I say that... <laughs> what did you just say? David, you'll understand what I when I say they had the big, poofy fl- snowflakes. You know how sometimes it snows and you get... The these really big poofy. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, apparently that's what they got in Austin for about five minutes, right? And it caused quite a sensation, um, nearly as much of a sensation as iguanas falling out of trees. Um, and uh, everyone was going, oh, it snowed. It snowed like crazy. It was a blizzard. I think someone actually used the word blizzard. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but, Jack, uh, I'll have you know I live... Uh, in snow country for 40 years of my life. All right, you lived in Virginia. I, I Let's be snow. clear about this, okay? Yes. All right, so, and I guess hey, you did hey, live in Illinois. You, for, I, you lived in Illinois for Illinois for a while, but here's here, here's the punchline, Jack. Yeah, I'm not current. <laughs> snow currency. I like it. Okay. All right. Well, that's enough of this. We got to like talk about airplanes some more. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, David, did the FAA cancel the ADSB requirement? What did they do? They didn't cancel it. That, that's me being silly. What did they do, David? The FAA advisory circular revises and clarifies policies applicable to the new. Ah, uh, right. All right. Um, and I haven't read the circular, so I have no idea. You've got to teach. You've got to educate me here. What what happened? But basically, they have not. You know, first of all, the headline is no. They have not done uh, away with the ADSB requirements. Yeah, I, so I was being no. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what did they do though? They did clarify some policies relative to, for example, formation flying. Oh. And, and this has to do with. Uh, the admin or the regulation that says if ADSB is installed, it must be up and running. Okay. And you get a bunch of aircraft flying together uh, in a formation or a gaggle or, or whatever. Uh, and as directed by ATC only, you may disable, um, turn <gasps> off 
you really? may yes be out uh, for the duration of the flight that ATC requests, basically. Mm. And there's Dave, fix me, help me out here. There's there's a couple of other, you know, just really small nuances. One of them might have to do with the privacy thing. Um, I'm one of them has sure. to do with the privacy thing. Another one has to do with uh, how you file flight plans with this uh, pre-flight requirements, uh, yeah. uh, in-trail procedures for uh, groups flying together. Because when they start to break up and land, the they'd like to be able to see the individual aircraft again uh they even get into adsbn operations in one of the appendices so uh it's you know to borrow from arlo guthrie he's got charts and tables and graphs and arrows and (laughs) okay paragraph on the back saying uh, saying what it is no eight by ten glossy photos though sorry yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's interesting. I, yeah. the, now, the part that really got my attention was permission to turn off the ADSB, which, if we'll, regular listeners for the last couple episodes will know, that this is a thing for me, and I'm kind of, kind of just puzzled by the whole subject of whether you're even physically able to turn it off, let well, alone allowed. And I think if we discussed this in an earlier episode, which I, you know, I remember I was there, um, my airplane has only a circuit breaker. I don't have an on-off switch for right. a transponder. Right. But yeah, that was okay. that that box was made before the FAA woke up and said, "You know, there's going to be times when we want people to turn them off." Mm-hmm. Why didn't we think about that back in well, 2010? That said, I'm sure that there's some way I could hit a couple of buttons and and, and figure oh, something out, you know. It mean a trip to the avionics shop. But. Yeah, yeah. Um but uh um, I know where the breaker is too. Yeah. Well. Okay. I. All right. I don't want to go back down this road. Just no. Yet. One of these days we. But will. the punchline is that there's this new AC out there. Right. And so if you're flying in a formation of some sort, and AT, and can you ask ATC? How does it, did they describe it to procedure? Or, or they you just kind of have to wait for ATC re- to bring it up? Is it like special VFR? I didn't. I didn't read it in that kind of detail. Okay. But it's basically only when ATC requests. Or approves, or yeah, right. Okay, no re- requests. Requests. Yeah. So that would that would that would suggest that you can't re- ask for it. That's, that would suggest so. That's exactly right. <laughs> I would suggest Jack's correct. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I haven't well, read his mind completely this sounds morning. Sounds to me but, like this is going to be an abused Jack episode. No, right? I certainly certainly don't want it to be. But I mean, then again, why <laughs> well, not? We could right? do that. <laughs> <laughs> Why change now? Why why, right. why why I do a good thing? All right. But this okay. isn't the, this isn't the first advisory to come out of the FAA, and the first thing uh, about ADSB operations that we've seen in the last three months, uh, because before the end of the year, they uh, somebody at eight hundred Independence kind of went smacked their forehead and said, "You know, tomorrow's January first. And there's going to be a lot of people out there whose airplanes don't have this yet. Mm-hmm. How do we handle them? Yep. And it's actually earlier than that. They came out with a uh, procedure for you to request a waiver to enter rural airspace without functioning ADSB on a case-by-case basis, truly at the discretion of air traffic control. And we were off to the races. Mm-hmm. So now we've got this. 
which takes care of another uh, should have seen it but forgot about it uh, foreseeable uh, need uh, and I'm sure that there will be another one or two down the road as they get more experience with this yes yeah okay all right all right um i i i i came across a, a twitter a tweet uh, a while back from a twitter user who i have no reason to believe is a listener but at least i don't think that's what i think um named daniel well daniel i don't know his name is on tweet twitter so i guess i can say his name anyway we'll call him daniel daniel who goes by indo bush pilot is his name on on twitter um and he had an interesting little uh, uh started an interesting little thread called show me pictures he says what's the oldest crappiest probably abandoned aircraft at your home airport which for some reason just tickled me um i, I you know and so uh i i just you know have you guys looked at it it's interesting I, this is the first time i've looked at this it's kind of interesting yeah it's like i mean you know and and uh if you know we're you know, if you fly out of a regular airport, unlike Jeb, but if you fly out of a regular airport, there's almost certainly some tie down off in the edge of nowhere. I have know. two right now that I'm aware of on the airport. At your airport, yeah. Well, of the, course, there's the the legendary Mooney. There's a legendary. Okay. There's a legendary Mooney, and then uh, there's a, a Piper Apache that I drive. Oh, sort of, sort of next door to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I, is, is that the one with no engines? Yep. That's the one. Yeah. I think the Mooney has no engine either, but yeah, the Mooney does have an engine. It, oh, it, does it has avionics, but <laughs> it's been sitting in the Florida sun. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, no. Your friend, your friend once said to me about that Mooney. He said, he said the only thing he said the only thing that Mooney will ever be good for is lighting on fire. <laughs> the, the only thing it's doing right now is contributing to the bauxite content of yeah, the right, soil. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know the aluminum is all dripping away, yeah. or how, whatever aluminum does. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so let's see now. These are big and small airplanes. I mean, we're not talking like you know, like Nashua. There was a period of time where Nashua um, had this section of of lesser used tie downs. Um, and there were, and, and it was notable. <laughs> what? We're sorry. We have to take you now to the area of the lesser used tie downs. Well, no, there is. There was a. There were, there were tie downs that were mostly just airplanes that were long term parked, if not abandoned. And and uh, and it was somewhat notable for the fact that there were probably on the order of six or eight one fifties in that area, which is one of the things that sadly caught my attention. Yeah. Um, and uh, we uh, we actually had a UCAP brunch there a few months back, and a number of us were surprised to drive up to the airport after an absence of a while to see that that tie-down area had been completely cleared out. All those airplanes oh, were wow. gone someplace. So, uh, But uh, these airplanes on this Twitter stream are not uh, all small airplanes. There's some airliners here. There's some yeah. big uh, transport you know, tr- uh, size, I don't know, cargo airplanes. Um, does this one have its wing broken off? This is sort of the second or third one in the list. Um, it looks like the wing is... Well, Miami oh, Airport yeah. used to have a whole corner they called Cockroach Corner. Oh, really? That was just nothing uh-huh. but derelict uh, airplanes, uh, some of which had landed there thinking that uh, there wouldn't be anybody around at 2 a.m. so they could offload their <clears throat> contraband and got caught, and the airplanes never moved again. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes they landed there, and the people just walked away. Uh, well, if you look at Oshkosh from the east side, off the premises, and drive down, I forget the name of the road, but uh, you're apt to see a bunch of uh, DC-3s and C-47s in derelict condition sitting over there. Uh, and, over at Basler, uh, Turbo. Is that what you're talking well, about? I'm talking about their, their <clears throat> parking facility over there near our friend's place. 
Yeah, uh, right. That's I the, never that's thought not, that's, that's the on deck circle. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jeb. That, uh, that's that's the, yeah. I wouldn't use those words, but I was going to say that I don't consider those to be abandoned. It's more like spare parts. Yeah. It's, a, it's a it's a you know uh, not graveyard. It's a you know storage what area. What's that? Uh, on deck circle is a good way to put it, but they're not abandoned, but they are derelict. Most of them can't fly, but they're there waiting their turn in Bassler's uh, refurbishment effort or being converted to PT six engines. So mm-hmm. yeah. that, that's what Bassler does. Yeah. Or, or they need a spare Fuji what's it, you know? And uh, <laughs> I, I think there's one on that airplane right the, up there. The, Let's yeah, go. the original Framus on this uh, cam is, is, is going to be better than the one we, we machined, so we'll take it instead. Exactly my point. Exactly my point. Um, this airplane, what is it? The second one in the Twitter stream, um, it has a pusher prop. I was kind of just kind of, and fortunately, the, the end number. Do you recognize? I looked up the end number, so I know what it is, but do you recognize what type of airplane that is? Um. According to the end number, it is an Avtech 400A. Oh, it says so here on the... On the oh, tweet. it's a Hawker 400. No, Wait a minute. No, no, no. 400AV may be a Hawker 400 now if, if such a thing exists. I don't think yeah, okay. Hawker... I don't know. I don't know all the Hawker models. But, uh, th- yeah, this Avtech 400A, I, I've seen it before, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, Okay. Um, so we've got that one. Does an airliner or, or a transport class? That's a, I think that's a DC-10 or L-1011. Yeah. I can't tell which. But, but the, that sort of tail crashed a few engine. years ago. I remember. I think oh, really? I remember the crash. Really? Where is this here? North that's SFL, Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale? Okay. Yeah. yeah. There was a cargo um, flight that had a hard landing and crunched one of the landing gear. Oh, really? And that kind of took out, the le- in this case, the uh, left wing. So it's it's kind of moved off on a taxiway yeah. and, and left there, right? Now there's a uh, there's this bizjet which doesn't look all that abandoned to me, other than it's sitting on a grassy, you know, yeah, uh, a ramp that's Uh-oh. got grass it's, growing it's, through the cracks. Citation, yeah, yeah, citation two actually. What's the F pre France? Pre, that's France. France. Yeah, yeah. The tail number starts with F. That's what I was you, getting at, listeners. If um, if you'd have been there when the pilot got out, you would have noticed he had a pointy cone head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, France, I get it. Oh, okay, all right. You um, forgot the mass quantities of money necessary yeah. to keep that thing airborne. Yeah. Oh, that, that was in his flight bag. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Then we've got a, uh, I want to say that's a cub. Is that a cub? That's I think it's got no used, wings on it and no, no wings. It's, uh, it's an ultra pup. Ult, what's an ultra pup? It was a cubby like uh, kid airplane. Ah, uh, okay. All right. There's that, and uh, then there's a big overhead, looks like a drone shot, actually, of some DC-3s. That's not that's not the Oshkosh. No, it's not Oshkosh that we were talking about. Uh, KVIH, wherever that is. Yeah. We got a, all oh, right, KVIH, VI, somebody could look it up. Um, we got a uh, sad-looking Martin, is what it's called in the in description, buried uh, in the weeds, literally, uh, grown up around it. Uh, thinks that there might be a runway somewhere behind it. Oh, I see, yeah. So this is where it ended up, literally. This yeah. is, yeah. I'm not sure how the Concorde or whatever that supersonic jet airliner fits into this. What's the um, What's the definition? Oh, abandoned, I know where that airport abandoned is. Aircraft. With the overhead shot? I've been there. Wait, which one? The one with the two DC-3s? Three, three DC mm-hmm. Yeah, that's VH? Rolla. Rolla National Airport in Missouri. Rolla. Rolla, okay. Rolla, okay. Wait a minute, Rolla, Missouri. 
Yes, Missouri. Is that spelled like Raleigh? How do you spell Rolla? R-O-L-L-A. Rolla. Rolla. Okay. Just like it sounds. All right. Okay, there's that one. There's this one. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm tempted to add to this. Uh, <laughs> I'm tempted to add to this stream um, one of those uh, overhead shots of an airplane with a whole bunch of 737 Maxes parked on it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, which is a story that we haven't talked about in a long time because it's just a sad, depressing well, story. There's really nothing to talk about. There have been no. There's been a lot of incrementalism, but there's really been no big developments in that story. So. Well, no. Uh, okay. There, now, okay, there's one one piece of news I did see uh, recently today or yesterday. Um, according to this, whatever the source was, it might have been Wall Street Journal, it might have been Business Insider, it might have been Joe Schmo down at the corner, um, that Boeing did not receive any orders for new aircraft during the month of January. Any or any? Any, 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 any. I'm telling you, man. Uh, it keeps- uh, in other words, to put it differently, they received no order. No orders. Nil, zip, I, nada. You know, I should go back and find the clip. I remember, I distinctly remember saying, when the first, when this whole seven, these maxes started, the first, those first two crashes, um, and we talked, the first time we talked about this on the podcast, I, I remember saying, this is bad, but it but Boeing will be okay because it's just you know. And I'm beginning to wonder whether I was completely out of, off base there because this is nasty. This is a bad, bad this is, situation. This is, yeah, it's getting out of hand. Yeah, uh, I mean it's out of hand. It's, well, it's, it's long been out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, anyways. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyways, that was sort of uh, 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 that was sort of a of a side thing here. So we got pictures of, uh, of abandoned airplanes. I would love to see more abandoned airplanes. I would love to. See, I don't know if I'm abandoned. That's kind of a sad thing to be looking forward to. But uh, it's interesting to see all the different airplanes that are parked at airports. I uh, uh, yeah. Um, it's not fair using um, like a museum or something as your right right backstop. Um, I have a question for you guys. Okay. What makes so literally what I wrote here on the list is what makes it a Charlie Airport? All right. So we've got airports that are we've got Delta class Delta airports, class Charlie airports, class Bravo airports. All right. Um, and and the reason that this question came to my mind um, is that a couple months ago I traveled for the day job to Mobile, Alabama, and. The um, airline airport um, in Mobile um, is one of these smaller ones um, th- that, um, you know, I mean, it's it's a smaller airport, and it's small enough in terms of, like, sort of the overall size. If you look at it on the satellite pictures and whatnot, it's small enough that I... I would have been. I wouldn't have been surprised if it wasn't a Charlie Airport, right? Um, that it was, you know, just a Delta. Because I've landed. I've t- I've taken. I may even have been on a regional jet into that. I think I probably was. All right, and I've traveled on regional jets into smaller airports that were not Charlie airports, and I was surprised that Mobile was qu- classified as a as a class Charlie airport, and so that brings me to my question, which traffic. Is, is it literally like takeoffs and landings, or yeah? There's a um, there's a formula, yeah, that the FAA has developed over the years. Yeah, okay. That what, uh, looks yeah. at all the different types of traffic, mm-hmm. uh, weights them according to um, passengers, basically, but but to the cost benefit analyses that they're about to apply, 
and uh, determines whether or not a specific airport and its not only total number of operations, but the uh, type of those operations meets some threshold. And if it does, then it gets a Delta. If it, it meets Charlie, it meets it gets a Charlie. If it meets a Bravo, it gets Bravo. Okay. But it's not a simple uh, traffic count because there's a lot of GA facilities that would, you know, deserve, right. deserve you know, like a the, Charlie the, by themselves. The Van Nuys's and the... Yeah, and the, yeah. yeah right. Um, that. Of course, you know, um, yeah, Van Nuys is just a Delta. I'm no, sure I'm, that's the case. maybe it's a Charlie. I forget. I haven't been out there lately. I think the Van Nuys is a Charlie. I think so, too. Uh, and it's adjacent. One of the, another factor is what other airs, right. airports or airspace right. is, are nearby. Van Nuys, yeah. Burbank. That, that Van Nuys is thing. right next yeah. to Burbank, yeah. so yeah. I, yeah. I'm in the process of looking it up here. Yeah. Right, and then it's not far from the LAX Bravo. Well, you know, there's Van another thing Nuys. on the list here, the top 10 GA airports. Let's look at that. Yeah. That might tell us something. Yeah. Start telling, talking about that list, Jeb, while I look up Van Nuys here. This uh, is from uh, General Aviation News. Um, and oh, there we go. Bingo. Van Nuys is, is one of them. Yes. Uh, Phoenix Deer Valley, Centennial in, in uh, Denver, Love Field in uh, Prescott, Arizona, Long Beach, Portland Hillsboro in Oregon, Phoenix Mesa Gateway. Falcon Field, Mesa, Arizona, Grand Fork, Grand Forks International. Okay, this is a perfect example. Okay. okay. Grand Forks International Airport in Grand Forks, North Dakota, is one of the is number nine on the in the in this top ten list. Why do you think Grand Forks has a huge amount of GA traffic? Grand Forks. Uh, I don't know. What's up there? University, Why, University of North Dakota's aviation training uh, operation. That's right. Yes, I see them all over the place. It shows. And UND. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, Van Nuys, just to fill in the blank here, um, is under the outer ring of the Burbank Charlie. Yeah. Um, but it is not a Charlie in its own right. It is actually, it appears to be a Delta in its, its own Delta, right. Yeah. And, uh, that surprises me. Yeah. Um, but I guess the uh, Burbank Airport would kind of uh, complicate things if they made them both Charlies. Yeah, it's it's underneath the 3,000-foot overhang, if you will, of the Burbank Charlie. Our, our airline airport here uh, uh, used to be Mid-Continent. Now it's Eisenhower National Airport, but it's a Charlie. Yeah. Uh, Jabara across the, the way and Beach Field. I believe are both their own deltas, but I haven't looked at a chart lately, so mm-hmm. I may be stepping yeah. on myself. I should get 172 Drew to tell us more about this because he flies this area. He knows it intimately. But um, just to give you more context here, Burbank and Van Nuys are are not even underneath the Los Angeles Class Bravo, although they are well inside the Mode Seville. Right. Um, and uh, so, anyways... Okay. Uh, Jeb, anything else interesting? I haven't got this on my screen. The, that list of airports, any other interesting? Have you, got, no, have you guys not visited really. any of those airports? Have I what? Have you visited any of those airports? Uh, I want to look at the list myself. Long there Beach. So Van Nuys. I've landed at Van Nuys. Um, uh, I've not landed at Van Nuys. Long Beach, I've been to Long Beach. But 
I, uh, I haven't piloted, but Long Beach yeah. is where, um, as a matter of fact, where uh, long, uh, 172 Drew and I flew in and out of one time. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm going to start calling you, Drew. One, I'm going to call you 172 Drew. That's what it is. That's until you buy something else, and then I'll come up with a new and name. And we'll come up with something. We reserve yeah. the right to modify this name. Gillespie Field, which is the big GA field down near San Diego. Grand Forks. Falcon in Arizona. Oh, so someone commented, I guess maybe it was the guy, the reporter who wrote this article, that three of these are in Arizona, which I thought was interesting. I wonder why that is. Why would Arizona have a concentration of big sunshine? Concentration of training facilities. Embry-Riddle has uh, Uh, one. Uh, Lufthansa has one. I think JAL has or or, um, maybe they've contracted with somebody else by now. Uh, had a big facility in in they were all in Arizona mm-hmm. because of the weather. Okay, <clears throat> and and okay, so there's one Cal there's only you know, there's two Calif- two Californias, Gillespie Field in San Diego and Van Nuys near near Los Angeles in Long Beach. And, oh, I'm sorry, Long Beach. You're right. Yep, Long Beach. So uh, let's so, see. I've piloted into and out of Phoenix, Deer Valley, Centennial. Love Field. Uh, that was a fun day. Uh, Not to be confused with Dallas. Dallas's Love Field. Oh, right. Different fields. Yeah. Prescott when I was down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phoenix Gateway, Falcon Field, and Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Wow, I got about half of the list. Wow. Well, there you go. This would be a, a merit badge if you can have all all ten of these in your logbook. That would be uh Yeah, that would make an interesting cross country race, wouldn't it? General, yeah, well it wasn't necessarily gonna make it a race. I was gonna make you know what aviation you know what general aviation needs? General aviation needs the 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 I'm gonna call it merit badge thing that glider people have. Oh, you, right, the diamond badges. You know what I'm stuff. talking about? All right, yep. there's, there's some organization, and I'm really ignorant about this other Soaring than it Society exists. of America. Soaring Society of America has the, all these different, um, um, you know, <laughs> in the gaming world we'd call them quests, um, that you uh, achieve and then uh, reach a uh, – and then you, get, you actually get pins, right, or, or badges, or you, you, what do yeah. you get? You get – well, I've, I've seen both pad – Patches and badges. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. General aviation needs such a thing. Well, we, we have several of those, actually. Do we? Like yeah. what? Well, there's... Um, I was looking at something up. These uh, there's The FAST team has uh, um, some uh, safety-related... Hang on a second. And then there's the WINGS program. That's what I was, that's what I was trying to find. The WINGS program, which is part of the FAA's FAST mm-hmm. team. And that, now, necessarily, that's more um, safety-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, it, it does uh, involve you know, knowledge and, and understanding of yeah. uh, some of the, and, w- the ways this stuff works. Right, and accomplishing things. Yeah. States may have a tourism-related um, thing. I know Virginia used to have a, um, a logbook. They had... I'm sorry. They used to have a, a I won't say a contest, but a, a mechanism. Um, and if you landed at all of the airports in the state that had a certain logbook that you sign your name in, um, 
you could get a certificate or or, or uh, I don't know maybe they waived your property tax next year I don't I don't know what it was uh, <laughs> okay. but uh, um, did you say what I think you said <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did okay <laughs> I did All um, right. but you know so and I'm sure other states have similar uh, tourism promotion things for for general aviation yeah. um, I'm sure the the maritime industry does for personal boats and yada yada so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, we got a, a 747 that managed to attain an airspeed, correction, a ground speed of something like 27,000 miles an hour. Would someone explain to me why this was a two-day story? <laughs> because because it was are, a big you, number. People love big numbers. So no, what was it? Eight, eight, yeah. What? The, all the media. I, this story was all over the media. Yeah. And I'm like... Okay, it had a tailwind. What's the big deal? Because it was a, you know, it's like people can understand this. It's a speed record going fast. Zoom. Well, we, don't need, we don't need no SST. We can get there if this 7-4 can get there under five hours. Yeah, really, really. Did anybody write the story about the airplane that was going in the opposite direction well, at the same what time? I, you know, I was like, dude, the get back's going to suck. Yeah, well, and there must have been a get back going on at the same time. You well, they probably, been, yeah, you know, well, I, everybody avoided that piece of air. If you're going the other direction, well, you, you definitely fly lower, but you know, uh, go by way of, of, of Rio de Janeiro would be faster. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, but you, you could just get out of the jet stream. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> what what a concept. Yeah, right. So yeah. Uh, so this seven four um, man was it like eight hundred and twenty five, eight hundred thirty five miles an hour of a ground or not? Was it no miles an hour? Not whatever it was. Eight hundred and twenty five mile an hour ground speed. Ground speed. All right. How can that be faster than the speed of sound if it's yeah, not supersonic? That's what I posted on Twitter. I, I said I, I posted on Twitter. I said I said this makes me think that you could theoretically uh, be going the speed of light. All right, but less than the speed of sound um, because this guy was going very very fast, but. Oh, he was definitely going faster than the speed of sound. The only problem was the air was going with him. Oh, right, and that's and that was my point: is the speed of sound is all about relative to the air mass here, and not not relative to the ground. The sky, um, the sky sucks. And, the and sky for, sucks. For the record, yeah, the jet stream that they clocked was two hundred and sixty-five miles per hour. That and by the way, so I'm guessing was that a bumpy ride? I, I would imagine it could have been. It could well you know, have been. Yeah, yeah. if you getting, got that getting kind of, in or out of the jet stream could have been bumpy. We, I know, right? You know, um, so uh, I was on a bunch of bumpy flights lately for some reason, and uh, you know, a bunch of things where they we didn't get our our cranberry juice because the <laughs> flight attendants had to remain seated. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad I'm entertaining you this morning, I, you, you really are. You didn't get your cranberry juice. The horror. The horror. Hey, listen, well, it's, all, you, it's all we've got left back there in coach. You know, I, right. I get it. I totally understand. Yeah, okay. What what tickles me is I got to thinking about this. You're, you're at the airport that this plane is flying into. You're the guy that manages the flow to and from and out of the gate area. Yeah. This puppy showed up 80 minutes ahead of schedule. Yeah. Well, yeah. 80 minutes. Yeah. That was like three gate clearings away from being uh-huh. able to get into his regular gate. That's always been my experience. Whenever I'm on a flight that has a tailwind and we get in early, we got to sit on the ramp for 15 minutes exactly. because there's no gate available. Yeah. But, yeah. of course, they will have made the announcement 
as you're rolling off the, the hold short line, rolling across the hold short lines, we've arrived 60 minutes early. Yay! And then you set for 40, 75 and, minutes. And you still have to wait for your bag. So. Yeah, oh, well, there's that too. All right, so. And then, and then you got to wait all that extra time to find out that your bag didn't make the connection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're starting to reach the end of our allotted time here. Um, 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 just for the record, I'm not sure if there's much to talk about here, but just for the record, let me say that I think that Textron is owning way too much of the GA world these days. Oh, you're reacting to the uh, rumor that they may be looking to buy all or part of uh, Bombardier's business as, jet business. As, as I put on the list, That's I, for said, one, right. welcome our new overlords. Our new GA overlords, yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, Textron, because Textron owns Cessna now. They own um, 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 Beach. Beach. Uh, yep. um, technically, they own Hawker, but they're techni- not Yeah, technically, any. they own Hawker also. Yeah. Uh, they're angling for some, at least something from Bombardier. Um, and Bombardier seems uh, to be wanting to maybe get itself out of the uh, airplane business because I've seen news where they're pulling out of their joint project with Airbus yeah. to develop and market the A220. Bom- Bombardier you're talking about. Bombardier. Yeah, that's because there's so much money in snowmobile- snowmobiles. Well, you say that. Um, I no, don't know I mean, everything well, there is to know about Bombardier's uh, business plan, but who knows? Yeah. Well, remember, guys, that the biggest cash cow in Bombardier's business line has long been its rail train yes manufacturing yes oh really commuter commuter trains uh passenger oh. trains uh, i didn't know that part okay yeah. yeah that's kind of well subways tend to be underground so it's not exactly vis- as visible as a learjet on a ramp but uh they've got the snowmobile business uh they kicked off rotax years ago yeah uh, and made it a standalone outfit. And obviously, it's doing fine. And happy birthday, Rotax! It, it turns a hundred this year. Uh, I feel ori- so. Old. Originally started around building a freewheel rear brake spindle hub for yeah. bicycles. That was interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that, David. That was uh, thank you for that little factoid there. Um, I, I assumed that Rotax was a company that 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 sprung out of the little engines that they made. Little, I mean, you know, what I mean, smaller engines that they make. And uh, um, but no, it's been around for a while. So uh, talking to two analysts that uh, that I deal with fairly regularly about this whole thing, and. The, the consensus that I'm getting on this uh, prospect of uh, Chextron buying Bombardier's business aircraft line is it, it, it basically comes down to yes, no, and maybe. Uh, there's some products in the uh, Bombardier line, like right. the the little Learjets, uh, the 70 and the 75, that basically come heads on against what Bombardier already, I mean, what Textron already makes in Cessna line. Uh, the beach division's not making any jets over there, so, uh, and I, I think the only turbo props Bombardier makes now is the uh, airline, uh, the, the, the uh, Q400, eight four hundred, and the uh, water bomber, uh, CL four fifty, uh, but they've got challengers which go up against uh, some of the mid-sized jets that Cessna's been trying to mark. Uh, what they really have that might be interesting for Textron is their 
big jets. They're global express right. lines. That's what they want. Uh, that would definitely complement what uh, Textron is already, already has and ease the pressure on them trying to move into that market as they've tried to do in, in the past and, and canceled. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if this goes forward because it's going to mean, you know, like trimming a turkey or a ham at, at a holiday dinner. You're going to want to cut some of the parts out for yourself, and you're going to want to cut some parts out to to, to throw away and, and ironing all that out. And where would they build it? Because Bombardier's got extraordinary facilities up in Montreal, uh, including a new uh, assembly building for the Globals and a new uh, completion center. So uh, I don't think it would change things around here all that much except seeing Learjet go away. And Textron could definitely find some use for the Learjet facility since they're on the same airport as Cessna, just on the opposite side of the field. Uh, it would help Bombardier get rid of some of its debt load, uh, which would be good for its other businesses. But I'm not sure how much of their aircraft line would actually survive uh, a transaction like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, all right. So there you go. Uh, sorry, I was thinking about something else here and uh, trying to get set up for the next item here. Um, I, I put this on the list, but I know very little about it other than the headline. Uh, and, Jeb, I would think that maybe – so the one I'm talking about here is changes to the uh, D.C. area VFR operations procedure. I'm sorry. I was doing something else. What are you saying? The story, the a little bit less, further down. Yeah, I see it. Change is coming. Um, and so um, – because this is as if, you know, like security wasn't tight enough in the D.C. area for GA airplanes to begin with. <clears throat> they've apparently made some changes. Jeb, do you know anything about these changes that they've made? Um, not really. I see. I was aware of when it came out, and, and uh, uh, they're basically, you know, revising and, and trying. I'll give them some... some uh, uh, some credit. They're trying to streamline some of this. They're, um, typically, they're trying to make it easy on themselves, um, but they're also at least giving lip service to trying to make it easy on the op- easier on the operators. Also, um, the the thing that they are trying to do is uh, back when I was based up there, uh, I was based in Manassas, and. Whenever I wanted to go, and I had the secret decoder ring, whenever I wanted to go to uh, Hyde or uh, uh, Potomac, uh, I could certainly do so. Um, The straight line distance was probably 20 miles, but the air traffic control distance, TSA, DHS distance, was more like 40 when they wanted to route you south of Manassas and at least outside the inner tier uh, of the uh, of the Bravo, preferably clear of the Bravo, um, and then south. I mean, sorry, and then east, and then back north to give you kind of a straight in to uh, to the two airports uh, sitting there. And they've kind of formalized that now, mm-hmm. where they want you um, to plan for it, and you won't be cleared for anything else other than uh, <clears throat> uh, two radials. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, approaching those two airports, 
there's two radials they want you uh, uh, within. And then uh, for the north side, for College Park in the freeway access, um, two other radials. And both of these uh, radials or both of these navigation uh, uh, points are off of the DCA, the Washington National, mm-hmm. uh, VORDME. Right. Which, is, so, which kind of centers the whole Bravo thing anyway. So the, the short, the simpler version is that this is a, a little bit more restrictive than it used to be. Um, the procedure is a little bit more limiting. Is that accurate? I think there, it, it may be for, for some airports. Um, I think what they're really doing is, is um, kind of formalizing and standardizing uh, some procedures that have evolved over time. I see. Yeah, what was already in practice. Yeah. 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 I don't okay. know, and, and for those of you who are um, contemplating flying in the D.C. area and haven't already, there is a regulation uh, in, in Part 91 that says, or actually I guess it's in 61, that says you must have um, free online training and pass it and get mm-hmm. a certificate thereof um, to operate within, I think it's 60 miles of the D.C.A. Vortac under VFR. Now, is, is that the decoder ring that you refer to, or is there... Or, or no. no. There's more to it. There's okay. more right. to it. All right. Yeah. There, um, there, are, there are special... How should I put this? Um, there are special access procedures for yeah. what I call the DC3 airports, College Park, Maryland, uh, Potomac, Maryland, and Washington uh, Executive Hyde, uh, Hyde Field, uh, also in Maryland. Um that require uh, background checks and the issuance of a specific code that you right. use when you file a flight plan mm-hmm. into into or out of yeah. that airspace. There's a uh, one of the YouTube aviation YouTube channels that I watch. Uh, Matt Guthmiller, I think is his name. Um, uh, sometime in the last year, not very recently, but in the last year, um, did a series. Um, one thing of which he did was to fly into. I think he flew into um, um, oh, Jeb, your buddy there, south of uh, Potomac Field. Yeah. Um, um, he, I think he flew into that airport. Okay. Um, and uh, and the YouTube guy um, sort of alluded. He didn't. He, he for security reasons apparently he couldn't reveal too much, but he did sort of allude to the process that was involved. And uh, um, well, it, the, the process involved is not classified. Um, you, but apparently, the co- you get a code or something like that. The and, code and, is classified, and then you have yeah. to call them and tell them the code. And you I, have to. I, yeah. You have to. You cannot yeah. file. I don't think. Not into the freeze. I think still with the freeze, uh, the flight restricted zone. You have to physically call the Leesburg Flight Service Station and tell them you're giving them a freeze flight plan. Mm-hmm. And to do so, you have to have the code. Right. It is that code is specific to an individual. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, it's a process. Yeah. Mere mortals can do it, but you got to pay attention, right? Well, I, well, I can do it, and you know, I'm not a you know, I'm not God's gift to any of this. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jeb. I sent uh, posted a link into the uh, chat channel here um, <sighs> for a picture that I took during one of my recent airliner flights that. I wanted to send you. Um, it's a little hazy, so you got to look closely. Yeah, um, I see it. Yeah, but can you uh, see the significance? So it's it's it, it's in a larger sense, it's a picture of I believe it's Dulles, 
but it's more than Dulles. No, I, are you sure that's... Oh, that's Manassas. There you that's go. Manassas, that's yeah. Manassas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there ain't enough runways for it to be Dulles. No, no, no Dulles, Dulles is, is in the upper portion. Dulles is in the horizon. That was kind of part of why I talked upper about it. Upper left. I, I wanted to take a picture of... Oh, of yeah, Man- there it is up in the yeah. upper yeah. left corner. Yeah, as we were flying over, I said, hey, that's Manassas. Take yeah. a picture. And then as I'm take, framing the picture, I realized that I could see Dulles off in the distance. Now, and, where were you? Were you arriving or leaving? Uh, we were uh, on the arrival to um, to uh, Baltimore. Seriously? Uh, yeah. You were yeah. that low? Oh yeah. Going I got into really Baltimore. Cool, I got some cool pictures flying um, just south of DC. Um, uh, they're hazy. That's the problem. As you can see, it was kind of a hazy day. Oh, that's a marvelous day for <laughs> for, for the DC Is it really? area, man. Yeah, but. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, we flew just south of, uh, we probably flew over, well, maybe we were a little south of Springfield, but we were sort of over uh-huh. that area. Uh-huh. Um, that looks I, like 66 going through the picture it is. Right there. It yeah. Is. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I have a couple other shots here of uh, of the D.C. area from a, a bit of a distance, but, oh, you know, and then also of uh, Andrews, because um, we flew we flew south of D.C., um, and then, and then also sort of south and east of Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a very clear view of Andrews from mm-hmm. this from this airliner. You, oh, so you, you do? You have to destroy that. <laughs> I wanted to see whether whether uh, Air Force One was on the ramp, but of course it never is. Um, it's always no. in the, if it's there, if it's a home, it's in or it, they it, if if it's they're on home, the ramp, it's on the ramp long enough to get towed into the hangar into that hangar. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. The president visited uh, Manchester. We had our big uh, um, our big uh, primary up here the other day, um, and the president came up here for uh, for one of his rallies. And uh, he didn't bring the 747. Um, he apparently came in one of the smaller, I don't know what kind of aircraft it was. But uh, I thought it was interesting, especially given the nature of our president, that he would ar- choose to arrive in, in not the most you know, fancy airport, airplane possible. Um, but uh, and I and 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 I know for a fact that the seven fours can land at Manchester because I've seen Air Force One seven fours landing at Manchester. So uh, I thought it was interesting that the president came in on the smaller airplane, but he did. And uh, anyways, um, I don't know what that's apropos of nothing. But uh, um, you know, uh, Air Force One. So uh, let's see now. I'm going to jump ahead to shout outs here, unless there's something else here on the main part of the list that you don't want to push off till later on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's fine. And, and potentially skip. Well, did we never talked about the drone mystery? <laughs> I thought it was so long ago. Oh, you know what? I know what we want to talk about. I'm sorry, and I should have done this up higher. Um, so. <clears throat> okay, because this is very, very two two side, two very two different, two di- very different stories. Um, let's come back to the drone thing. The drone thing okay, might be a fun story. It but might let's be come evergreen. Back to it. Who knows? A way, a way more serious matter that we should at least kind of acknowledge is the uh, the helicopter crash that killed um, a bunch of people, including Kobe Bryant uh-huh. and uh, his daughter. And, and his daughter. I. I and I, I, I phrase that very carefully. Um, I, I, I'm troubled by the way a lot of people were reporting this story. Right. Um, and um, so, it, it, what was it, seven people on board? Nine um, total. Nine people on board um, died, including Kobe and his daughter. Um, so, and we don't know very much yet about this, although we know a fair amount. Did you read this say, update? We know a fair amount. Oh, we know, yeah, did you we read know this a pretty update? good bit. That, yeah, this update that the uh, well, but we know a lot that doesn't exactly tell us what happened, um, or, or you know what went wrong. That is to say, um, 
it's kind of a puzzle, if you ask me. Do you guys have some clearer sense of, of what might have happened here? And again, it's, we don't know. We're speculating. It's a We're classic just like, VFR into IMC accident. It just happened to involve a helicopter. Yeah, it not only involved a helicopter, it involved what, by all accounts, is a very, very experienced, good pilot. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that happens, huh? It does. There is, yeah, it happens all the time. You know. Unfortunately, and and you know to to add more meat to that bone, the pilot, not only did he have an airplane instrument rating, he had a rotorcraft instrument rating. Right, right, and uh, and, and an IFR rated helicopter. But, but yeah. his operator was not approved for instrument operations for hire. I didn't know that part. Was that just because they hadn't gone for the paperwork, or or was there some? I, I don't know the shortcoming reasons, of the equipment. But uh, it, they either never saw it or were denied uh, that approval. Yeah. So he couldn't have operated the flight IFR. Yeah. So there's this legal, NTSB, um, what they call, I guess, an update, um, which exp- which um, just sort of describes a lot of the facts that they've discovered so far. And a uh, very, very interesting read, uh, I thought, anyways. Uh, and uh, and one of the things that came out of that for me was that um, they've, as of yet, found zero evidence of any sort of equipment or system failure. Um, they, they can't find any evidence that anything broke. Uh, am I correct about that? That's what that says. That's that was what the latest uh, actual yeah. Yeah. update yeah. says. Yeah. So uh, and it, they've they've had access to the wreckage long enough uh, now to have uh, confirmed control system uh, integrity. Uh, they know that the uh, uh, the uh, turbine engines were making power, uh, and the power was getting to the rotor blades and the tail rotor. Uh, the pilot had requested a climb to uh, uh, VMC conditions, which meant going through the clouds. Started up somewhere up there, things went haywire, and he was coming down. What did I see? Was that four thousand feet per yeah. minute? Yeah, yeah. And, perhaps, and, and, and a very fast forward speed that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over, and he was already low over the terrain when he requested that climb. He only had a few hundred feet between him and the terrain uh, before that. Uh, it's a puzzlement. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm leaning I, toward the uh, spatial disorientation outcome. Yeah, yeah the, the the reason is or the curiosity, if you will, is not what happened. The curiosity is why it happened. Yeah, yeah, and 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 perhaps how it happened, and it, it's not. Um, I don't know how to put this. Um, it's not um rare. Let's put it that way. Uh, for a person in this situation or pilot in this situation to try to get on top of the cloud deck, uh, right, and and do a zoom climb or. Just do a, an, uh, an instrument climb from below the deck, through the deck, to on top of the deck. Sure, but let me ask what's, you: what, What's odd? Yeah, and, and apparently, you know, again, the, the pilot had all the skills and all the equipment to do exactly that. He would have been breaking the fars, but Thank let's, you. let's That's put what I was let's put that about. aside for a moment. Well, okay. okay, but I want to come back to that. Go okay, ahead, okay. Yeah. Uh, putting that aside for the moment, um, 
what's odd here and what doesn't make any sense is how a well-trained pilot flying a well-equipped helicopter lost control performing that maneuver. Um, We don't know why he lost control. He was right. he was trained to do this. He had the he had the experience. He had the ratings. He had the training. Uh, he had the equipment. And how how he lost control doing this is is what we're going to be scratching our heads about. Um, now we can talk all day about the legality of it, the the ethics of it, right. the morality of it. Um, but I'm trying well, to figure out the how of it. Yeah. L- well, let me come my, back to the legality of it. My quick question here, and this, this is something that's been nagging at me ever since I've been hearing this account. Um, so apparently he got cleared for special VFR uh-huh. to travel through that area. Um, One mile clear of clouds. But that's the point. Is it special at VFR does not give you permission to climb through the clouds. That's right. right. He um, asked for that specifically and was granted that specifically. Now, okay. that's interesting. Well, hang, me, on, hang, I didn't, hang on. Hang on a second. Go ahead, Jeff. Hang on yeah. a second. Special VFR only applies in what type of airspace? Delta, right? Delta and Charlie and Bravo. Okay, yeah. Okay. Basically control zones. Um, he was outside a control zone. He, was, he, was, he had gone through the, uh, the Van Nuys Delta and the Burbank Charlie and was clear of both of them, I believe, by this time. And his SVFR had been canceled. He was trying to negotiate flight following with SoCal. Yeah. And SoCal told him he was too low to be picked up on radar. Yeah, I saw now, that. Yeah. He may have been trying to climb to get into radar coverage, although that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a helicopter, um, in, in perhaps, in, in my book. But maybe I'm not a helicopter pilot, so maybe it does. Um, but what he was trying to do, apparently was get on top of that deck. Yeah. Yeah. That appears that, that low fairly line clear. I mean, deck because yeah, he was he was following Remember, he asked for that. Yeah, he literally he, asked. Well, yeah. he said that's he, what he was doing. He may have, but once SoCal told him that he was too low for radar coverage, he had a decision to make. He could turn around. Um he could slow down. He was doing almost top speed on this thing by yeah. this time. Uh he could slow down. He could um Stop. He could land somewhere and wait this out. One of the things, though, he was he was approaching rising terrain. He was following an interstate, and the interstate was starting to climb a hill. And I don't know if he saw that. I don't know if I, I don't know. We, no one knows. Yeah. But he pulled up into the clouds, lost control, and came out of the clouds the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going like a bat out of hell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, somehow lost control. Whether yeah, whether it's disorientation or something broke. Although there's no sign that anything broke. There's no sign that anything broke at all. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Well, um, NTSB is going to tell us more about this for a variety of reasons, just because that's what they do, and also because it's so no- <coughs> noticeable, so well, visible. Th- th- this crash, this crashes, fifteen minutes would have been over two weeks ago. Oh yeah. If it hadn't been for Kobe Bryant and his daughter, maybe, yeah. and uh, yeah. two of the victims. Uh, and, and also, if the flight hadn't been uh, for and by Kobe's operation to get him to uh, uh, an yeah. event. Uh, I think his daughter's some some kind of uh, athletic event. Baseball soccer game, game or something, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, basketball, I believe. Basketball. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Basketball. That's right. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. But, so, uh, duh. This is going to stay. This is going to stay a, uh, a, a hot item. Uh, yeah, 
and and until the uh, until the probable cause report comes out. Yeah, but it's so, going to stay so on we'll, item after that. You're going to uh, see um, if you have, and I've lost track, but I think the NTSB has already um, pounded the table, for my words, uh, about some. Uh, um, recommendations it's made to the FAA about helicopter ops. You're certainly going to see other formal recommendations regarding safety mm-hmm, uh, of mm-hmm. helicopters. Yeah, the yeah. NTSB is not real happy with the FAA. Uh, yeah, I saw. You got to stand in line right now not to be happy with the FAA. What's that? You got to stand in line right now to be not happy. Yeah, right. With the FAA. Yeah, I know. So, all right, but th- that's not an unusual state of affairs between the two agencies, though, and the fact that they share a that they're both in the same building is uh, uh, one that I'm sure keeps some topic discussions more lively than they might otherwise they're not be. not in the same building anymore. It's not? The NTSB and the, and the FAA? Well, they used to be on the, you know, they used to be in the eight, at 800 yeah, Independence. Yeah, they used to be. No, uh, NTSB's been at LaFont Plaza for a long time. They move it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Moving on here. Uh, so, uh, all right. Now, shout-outs, I think. Oh. Shout-outs? Um, you guys are satisfied, huh? Nothing I, else? I have, a, I have some snark. Snark. Okay. All right. We are into shout-outs. Snark. Jeb, go ahead. Okay. Airbus. Folks. <laughs> what's, what's Airbus done now? Well, Airbus has put out a service bulletin, or maybe there's even an AD, that no liquids aboard the Airbus A350 <laughs> shall be in certain areas of the cockpit. Yeah. And the reason for this is mm-hmm. that they spilled, someone spilled, this happened twice now, someone spilled liquid uh, somewhere around the cockpit. Yeah. And it shut down one of the engines. Right. I think I, right. We've, there was a movie about was this movie back about- in the 50s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's called Fate is the Hunter. It's an adaptation of the the Ernie Gann book, completely different from the book. Putting that aside, that's exactly what happened in the movie. Is some liquid spilled and failed one of the engines. Has right. no one at Airbus ever seen this movie? Right. So, but but what's what? I, I guess I don't know what happened. What changed? What, had they now allowing? You can now have your your your. I was going to say Kool Aid. No, no, they're, they're prohibited. Yeah, aboard aboard these it, airplanes. Well, that's it, good then. It, it, it is. There wasn't good. a prohibition before. It, and yeah, now there is. It, oh, okay. Yeah. And so it, they have seen the movie. Somebody saw the movie recently. It was on Netflix. They, and they should have designed this out of the airplane before it even got certificated. <laughs> you mean the cup holders attached to the yoke are a bad idea? <sighs> That airplane um, doesn't have yolks. Doesn't have yolks. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yep. I know that very well. That's one of my things. Uh, so uh, and and cup holders on side stick controllers has never really worked out well. Yeah. Well. Okay. It's you know. Okay. It's a suction cup that attaches to the inside of the windscreen or the uh, yeah. So anyway, again, um, Airbus. Thanks for proving that nothing new uh, under the sun. There there is nothing new under the sun. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, David, uh, this guy, uh, Colonel McGee, what's the story with Colonel McGee? Well, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. Is we've got 200 birthday uh, uh, celebrations to, to comment on here. Uh, the first and by far the 
the most uh, uh, important or human one in my book is the 100th birthday uh, a few weeks ago of uh, Colonel uh, McGee of the Commemorative Air Force. Let me see, the Confederate Air how about the Tuskegee Airmen, David? Get it okay, right. there we go. All right, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Tuskegee and, Airmen, uh, right. Who We all saw him on TV recently. Well, he he got to fly a uh, he got to fly a Cirrus jet on his 100th birthday back on December 6th. Yeah. Uh, he's been a VIP guest at a number of uh, uh, events since then. Uh, a 100-year-old World War II ace Korea combat pilot, Vietnam combat pilot. Oh, really? Uh, Vietnam too? Yeah, okay. They just don't come around every day. Wow. And if you were watching uh, last week's uh, wonderful performance by the uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, at the beginning of the uh, game where they do the coin toss, the Super there Bowl was Colonel McGee. Familiar. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. Participating in the coin toss. Yeah, uh, that gentleman who, who delivered the coin. To Was he and, the one that actually got up and managed to walk out to deliver the coin? Or was yep, he, yeah. and then to, to cap it all off, Congress approved his uh, promotion post-retirement to Brigadier General. All right, there we go. Long, long buddy past due. But congratulations to uh, yeah. General McGee yes, absolutely. for hitting the century mark. And then we'll turn that 100-year-old mark uh, to one not quite as interesting or human-oriented, but the 100th birthday of Rotax. Right. Yeah, you alluded to that earlier, yeah, that uh, they're, they're 100 years old, huh? Well. 100 years old, and it started out as a company that was making a uh, a. Basically, what we called a coaster brake for bicycles when I was growing up. It was a freewheel rear axle and spindle with a built-in brake for bicycles. It was invented 100 years ago, and the company that made it uh, gave the name of the, uh, the product, which was a rotary axle. Rotax. Rotax. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's, the, there's where the name came from. Kind of reminds me of Garmin. Uh, Gary Burrell and Min Cal, uh-huh. Gar and Min. There you go. Uh, you I didn't know name. that until you pointed that out on the list, though. Yeah, okay. So congratulations to Rotax, but particularly congratulations to uh, General McGee. Uh, you are a honor. You, you honor our country with your continued participation in its events. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry, before we move on, David, one last question about the Rotax thing. Um, a la the Bombardier story, does Rotax do more these days than just build those engines? Or is that pretty much it now? Oh, well. They still make bicycle parts? Uh, Rotax got spun off from Bombardier. Ah, okay. Uh, several years ago. And, and the, the full company name is now... Uh, uh, something to do with recreational products, but the uh, the engine company is is probably one of its biggest performers. Got it. Okay, okay, sounds good. Uh, Jeb, any shoutouts? One more, real okay. quick. Is this one snarky too, or is this- uh, and this this is a pop quiz. Oh, okay. okay. All right, I'm ready. What? Okay, pop, give it to us. <laughs> what 80th birthday? Are we celebrating in 2020? 
Come on, David's birthday isn't this week. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to jump the gun. I keep as promising myself I'm not going to do those jokes anymore, and yeah. then I just fall right back into them. 80th birthday. Um, the E6B flight computer. Okay, is that's 80 the round old? slide rule. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, you young whippersnappers out there who who uh, <laughs> uh, um, grew up with calculators and, and uh, iPads yeah. and iPhones and all that kind of thing—that's where you did your flight training. May not even know what an E6B is. Uh, it's the old slide rule computer, the round uh, computer mm-hmm. um, um, that uh, a lot of us uh, had to learn at least some rudimentary functions of mm-hmm. uh, to get our pilot certificate back in the day. Um, it is 80 years old this year, and um, um, the Glime people, Glime Aviation, the uh, uh, the um, uh, test uh, consul- cool. uh, test and training uh, uh, people uh, yeah. have a little page up on their website talking about it and how it was invented and, and what got in behind it and all that kind of thing. And we'll put that link in the show notes. Yeah. 80 <clears throat> years old. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Anything else? Fork time? Are we done? Stick it. I think we're done. Thank you, folks. Um, and thank you, boys. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is why I... So we've been doing this a long time, but uh, sometimes it's more fun than others. And today was a good one. I like I, it was good, even though you were giving me a lot of a lot of grief earlier on. But it kind of smoothed out. Anyways, thank you. Uh, let's see now. Who's who are you guys? Anyways, who the heck are you guys? Who, who let you in? I know, Jeff Burnside. Uh, you are a freelance aviation aviation writer and editor serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. You been working on anything fun, Chip? Um, not a whole lot of anything. Puttering around the house the last couple of weeks. Uh, the, uh, I guess it's the March March issue of uh, Aviation Safety is in the can. Um, uh, a couple of good articles. Well, there are, all of them are good articles. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and we'll have some more, obviously, next month, for which I'm getting geared up to settle down and, and produce. Uh, but when I'm not doing that, um, uh, you can catch me at, uh, and you can catch the magazine anyway, at aviationsafetymagazine.com. Uh, and by the way, that, that magazine's gotten some attention from the from the mothership lately. And uh, there's a lot more content, a lot more current content there and uh uh obviously you can if you're not a subscriber you can sign up to become one which yeah. you obviously should do that's right. um absolutely um so there's that um and uh looking forward to being at the uh, aircraft electronics association annual meeting next month uh i'll be writing that up as i have been for the last few years mm-hmm. uh, where's it being held it'll be in nashville tennessee oh, this, right. this year yes. Yeah. Yeah. Grand old good barbecue. Yeah. Good. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll see. I, you know, good music. Good. A lot good of music. lot of music, and and yeah. uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, a good time will be had by all. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking Very forward good. to that. AEA, of course, is uh, AEA.net. Uh, yeah. And I do contribute to that magazine on occasion, as as does Mr. Higdon. Yep. Let's see. Where else can you find out about me? Um, yeah. GeneralAviationNews.com, AvWeb, AIN Online, uh, and on the Twitter machine at Burnside J. Yep. And uh, the magazine. Oh, the magazine is also on. It's Av Safety Mag at uh, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Very good. 
And David, Dave Higdon, uh, you are an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. I bet you didn't know that. You are. Uh, what, have you been, what have you been working on lately? Well, I got a, uh, speaking of avionics, uh, my story in uh, this month's avionics news is uh, headlined, Air Traffic Surveillance Goes Global. It uh, talks about this system that went online last year from a company called Aireon, A-I-R-E-O-N, uh, and they put up, oh, uh, gee, many, if memory serves it, 80 satellites over a period of 2017, uh, 18, uh-huh. uh, system went operational in 19, they have 66 Satellites with ADSB uh, transponders on uh, transceivers on board. Uh, they engineered a compact system that could fly on satellites, and 66 of those satellites now provide global air traffic surveillance mm-hmm. for air traffic uh, authorities that want a contract with Arion. Uh, and the big benefit of it is that not only does it extend coverage to all the over uh, ocean areas where we have no radar, but and and then as well vast ground masses that have uh, no ADSB infrastructure, uh, you don't need it. Uh, company, cu- countries that weren't going to do ADSB are now looking at it uh, because they don't have to put in the ground infrastructure that the FAA spent years doing mm-hmm. uh, before this came along. So that's uh, in this month's. Avionics news. Uh, working on stuff for uh, April already. Uh, my, uh, you can find me there. That's AEA dot net. Um, uh, Av Buyer Magazine, where I've got a couple of stories this month. Uh, that's avbuyer dot com. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Real Higdon. Uh, other, otherwise, uh, I'm just around. Do a Google. You'll find me waving my hand somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and I, I uh, am uh, Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, just got back from uh, Austin, Texas, uh, where I also had good barbecue and uh, where it snowed. Um, I forget if we talked about that in the pre-show or I think we talked about I don't remember when we talked about that. No, we did talk Seems about that. Seems to in be the a recurring theme. Yeah, right? I know. Anyways, uh, so... Uh, uh, I, I, I was in, in Austin and had a good time there, and uh, I just got back from my trip to uh, to uh, Florida, um, where I visited Jeb. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I, the uh, In the most recent issue of my newsletter, I, I wrote a little bit about my visit to, uh, to Jeb and to uh, Austin and to, uh, um, let's see now, I wrote about Florida Panthers, which I never realized that was a thing until just this time. But uh, And you're not talking about a sports team? No. Uh, no. I mean, there may be such a sports team but i'm talking about actual wild cats um yeah so to speak um okay another bad joke there's a lot of florida that's not not yet developed yeah (laughs) yeah well it turns out that the florida panthers actually did have to be developed because they nearly went extinct and so they had to had to help them return. So, anyways, uh, th- that stuff's all in my uh, in my email newsletter, um, and uh, there may be a, a YouTube video sometime soon. We'll see if that's going to happen. I mean, it will happen eventually. Just we don't know when. Anyways, um, you can find me uh, online in most of the usual places by the username Jack Hodgson. Uh, for example, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Twitter Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, you can find my eBooks by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. 
And yeah, you can sign up for that email newsletter that I was talking about by going you to... You must be Jack Hodgson. JackHodgson.com. Yeah, it's called branding. It's personal branding. Uh, anyways... Uh, Let's see now. Uh, thank Does you. Does that for- involve a fire and a hot iron uh, personal brand? It can. It can. There you go. There you go. I've got the scars to prove it. Uh, on Twitter, uh, cl- uh, the, uh, the uh, podcast also has a Twitter ident- ID. Um, uh, it's called it's Class G Airspace. That's the uh, 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 class with the letter G in the middle. Airspace all bumped together on Twitter. Um, you can support this podcast by becoming a patron. Patron. Uh, by way of Patreon for as little as $1 per episode. And also reward-level patrons get uh, uh, occasional UCAP after-show episodes. Um, and you get more information about this by going to patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace. You can email us whenever you like by sending email to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. And check out the uh, latest UCAP news and all of the UCAP show notes on the UCAP homepage, which is uncontrolledairspace.com. Uh, David, was there something you were going to tell us? Well, speaking of 80, I'm looking forward to hitting that in another 10 years. Uh, and to get there, I'm planning on spending some time in an airplane because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And we're at uh, UCAP 500 T-7 and counting, and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. The way I see it, you can either work for a living or you can fly airplanes. <laughs>